This is the Off Mic Podcast, a radio show about radio life, with your hosts, students from Nate's radio and television program. How you doing? Good, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Yeah, so I really appreciate taking time out of your day to talk to me for a little bit, do this brief interview, so thank you very much. No problem. Uh, so I'd just like to get right into it. Uh, where did you grow up? You know, what made you want to, like, attend broadcasting school? Like, where did you go to broadcasting school? Well, I'm, bo- I'm born and raised in Calgary. I spent all my life there. And uh, I left when I was 18. I went to a broadcasting school in Saskatoon, actually. Uh, I had gone through the process at a bunch of different schools, you know, looking at different broadcast programs and all that stuff, because at the time, Around grade 11 or so, I kind of decided I didn't have any desire to do any true academic path. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a doctor. And at the time, all I really cared about was sports. And so I thought about being a sportscaster. And so I actually did, you know, my career and life management courses and some work experience courses where I went to Global Calgary and hung out with their sports department for a while. And so when I was 18 and finishing high school, I had applied to a bunch of different programs, one being SAPE's program, uh, their broadcast news thing. I was accepted there, but I was also accepted to a school in Saskatoon. And I elected to move to Saskatoon, one, because it was time to move on, leave the nest. But then also it was a one-year program instead of a two, and they promised to do the same things in that place that SAPE could do, which I don't know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe that wasn't exactly true, but uh, so I did a one-year program out there, and um, yeah, the reason I, I got into it more or less was because I just had zero desire to do anything else. I, I I wasn't big into school; it was never my bag. I didn't like being there. I just liked talking about sports and watching sports, and so sports is kind of where I wanted to be, and that's what led me to broadcasting school. Okay, what stations have you previously worked at in your career leading up to Sonic? I guess. Uh, I've been all over. So I did that practicum at Global Calgary, which would have been kind of my first foot in the door in the industry. And and after school, uh, I did not do a practicum. I actually got hired out while I was still in school, which was cool. It was at just a small, small country station in Olds, which is just south of Red Deer. So I was there for a bit. I went up to another station in White Court called The Rig because it's White Court. So, of course, it's called The Rig. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Fort St. John. I worked for a cluster of stations up there that at the time was owned by Standard Radio, which then became Astral, which then became Bell. Uh, and uh, then I did a brief stint in Calgary again. I worked for about 13 months at an all-news station down there called 660 News. I was there uh, as the writer for the morning show and a reporter for the afternoon drive show. And then after that, I ended up at Sonic, and I've been at Sonic for... Ooh, about eight and a half years now. Oh, really? Has it been that long? Oh, I didn't know. I thought for some reason I thought it was more, you'd been there like, well, I mean, more recently or not, yeah, not quite as long. But, uh, um, so what, like you said, like, not, you didn't want to do something academic. You didn't want to be a lawyer or whatever. So like, and you just wanted to talk about sports. So that was like the main driver to work in radio, but you haven't worked for any sports stations. No, not really. Um, sports, there, there's such limited places to go in the sporting field. Um, yeah. 
so initially I went to broadcasting school to be in TV and, you know, the school I went to ended up, the, the TV program is not as reputable as I was led to believe. And so getting a job in TV out of that school was next to impossible. And their logic was, well, go into radio, learn how to talk first, and then the TV jobs will be easier to land. And so the first few gigs I got were actually with the intention of one day walking into TV. And I mentioned that I became a writer and a reporter at 660 News in Calgary. And it was, when I was there, I learned that actually being a reporter wasn't what I thought it would be. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I might. And one of the sister stations in Calgary is the Sportsnet fan, uh, the Fan 960. Mm-hmm. And so there was a bit of sports there. There was a bit of doing sports involved with 660 News. And But ultimately, I just didn't enjoy being a reporter. And there have been opportunities where I did do auditions to be on the fan that didn't pan out for one reason or another. Um, but over the course of the 10-plus years I've now been on the air, uh, I've kind of determined that sports isn't where I want to be. It's something I enjoy watching and talking about, but not to the extent that I think I'd want to work full-time at a sports talk station. Mm-hmm. So you you didn't enjoy being a reporter you said it's not what you thought it would be. Like, what was your impressions going in? What did you think, like, being a reporter was going to entail? I didn't really know. You know, it's one of these things. I, I just had this <laughs> romantic idea that being out of the office and doing something new every single day was going to be really cool. And uh, part of it was, you know, I was a re- I was the writer for the morning show and the reporter for the drive. And so I had this crazy split shift where I worked from 4 a.m. till 8 and then went back in the afternoon from 2 o'clock until whenever I was done, whatever story I was assigned that day. And so the split shift left a real bad taste in my mouth. And maybe that kind of contributed to why I didn't enjoy it that much. But I just remember there was one week where I just ended up being at, like, the police headquarters in Calgary for the five days of the week. And, you know, it just kind of started feeling like I was doing the same thing. And then I was doing covering a lot of stories I didn't like doing, a lot of talking to people on the street type thing. And yeah. I was like, this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. And, and I remember one time they wanted to throw me on the business desk too. And I don't know anything about the Dow Jones or the TS. I don't know any of that yeah, coverage. Yeah, yeah. And so the second they started talking about me doing that, I was like, this is not for old Bryce. And so my eyes started to wander elsewhere. And thankfully the Sonic thing popped up, which ended up being much more my style, much more of a, laid back, relaxed style. And the other thing about being a reporter in the all news thing is everyone is so uptight and it is such a deadline heavy um, part of the broadcasting industry. Everyone's in a rush to get everything done first. And the second you aren't first, you're being screamed at by probably at least two, two or three different people. And it's just, I, I never found it to be that fun. Some people thrive in that kind of thing, but I, you know, I'm, I'm more of a laid back person and that was not a laid back vibe in that building and I just didn't enjoy it. And so I was happy to move on. So you, like you said, you really like were into sports and wanted to do sports broadcasting, then did news and now you're doing news at Sonic. So were you like, are you like a news junkie? Did you grow up watching the news? Is that something you wanted to be involved in or was that just your first foot in the door, your first opportunity? Yeah, it all kind of falls back to the whole idea of being on TV again. And so, you know, when they said, oh, you should be in radio to learn how to talk, and if you want to be on TV, it only makes sense that you do news. And so my first few jobs were news. And the, the one in Calgary, 
frankly, I, I was in Fort St. John before that, and that is pretty much the armpit of the earth. It was awful. <laughs> I did not enjoy being up there, and, and Calgary was my hometown. So when an opportunity came where I could move back home and do kind of the same thing, but in Calgary instead of Fort St. John, I said, yes, please. And no, I'm, I'm not really a news junkie at all. It's just kind of the way I've fallen uh, along along my path. And the position at Sonic, as much as it is news, it's evolved over time, especially lately that that's just a small portion of what I do. My on-air contributions uh, it start to extend beyond that. And I do have an appetite further to kind of push that together. I wouldn't miss not doing news, uh, but it's been very good to me. It has afforded me the opportunity to get to a morning show in Edmonton when I was only 21. And so I, I'll, I fell down those stairs and just kind of let the fall happen. And now I'm at a point where I'm kind of eyeballing what else can I do. And Sonic's letting me do that. Whether it's be you know host when Garner's away, I'll host. I have my own time slot for a bit. I still do voice tracking on the weekends. I do other things beyond the news. But no, it's not something I I consciously sit there and I'm like, yep, news junk. I don't read 20 newspapers a day. I don't do that kind of thing. It's it's just the way the cards have been dealt so far. Gotcha. Okay, so you mentioned Fort St. John's and armpits. I would say as a broadcasting student, my biggest scare is ending up. Yeah, going from small town to small town. So, like, how, like, how do you deal with working for such a small station in such like a small town? Like, I was like, I'm like born and raised in Edmonton, like city kid through and through. How do you like cope dealing with like living in a place like that? It's not easy because I, you know, I'm similar. I'm from Calgary, so I was a real city slicker. And then for my first job to be in Olds, which is a town of at the time, it didn't even have a Walmart. You know, it was just 3,000 people, and then White Court was maybe 10, and Fort St. John was maybe 20. And so as much as it sucks, and it was an armpit, I think it, it was so important, and it's not something that should ever be dismissed. I probably wouldn't be – I wouldn't be on Sonic now if I hadn't done the small town route. And so as unpleasant as it can be, I think it is so essential that that is what people do. And it's easy to go to those places and get stuck. And what kind of helped me is that I was never, ever complacent. Like my, my first job in Olds, I was, only, I was only there for six weeks because I got there and I was like, oh, man, this is no fun. So I immediately started looking at bigger markets and sending the demo I was making in Olds to the next biggest market, which at the time was white court which is laughable because it's only 10,000 people but mm -hmm. compared to the 3,000 and they had a Walmart I was like oh my god this place is huge and so I just constantly was sending out demo like my first like olds was six weeks I think white court I was on the air for three months I was four months in Fort St. John like I just was not sitting still and I was constantly sending things to other places and other markets that maybe I wasn't ready for but I'd send anyway I would get feedback from those people and so you go to these small towns because you get the opportunity to be on air. Whereas if you stayed in your hometown of Edmonton and you wanted to work on one of the stations there, you would not be on the air. Yeah. You'd maybe work in promotions, but you're not going to be on the air. There was a time when, you know, we had overnights and maybe you'd get a shot there, but those don't exist anymore. And so now to get that on-air experience that you need, you have to go to these small towns. It sucks. You move far away. Your friends aren't there. And, you know, 
you know, White Court is a perfect example of a place where when I lived there, it had a Walmart. It had, I think, a Canadian Tire and maybe two bars. You know, like, this place is a toilet. And, but you get your funniest experiences. You get to work out a lot of your kinks in those small places. But the trick is to never, ever sit still. A lot of these people are like, oh, I'll go there for a year and then maybe think about moving on. I would get there, and I was considering moving on right away. And every time I was on the air, I was putting together some kind of decent-sounding demo that I could send and move to the next place, the next jump up. And there seems to be a lot of people who come out of bigger programs like like Nate and Satan, those ones, that they can land in bigger markets right away. So a Medicine Hat and a Lethbridge isn't out of the question. Even a Red Deer wouldn't be out of the question. And so those places aren't too bad by comparison. But if you do end up in Fort St. John or Prince Albert or some awful place like that, it's not the end of the world as long as you don't sit still. Because yeah. then that's when you get that's when you get trapped and that's when it stops being fun. Yeah, I imagine it's a good motivator to aspire and keep working to, you know, get out of there and move on to the next big thing, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you spend 10 minutes in Fort St. John and <laughs> you're already thinking, get me the hell out of here. And that's what I did. And so I think I moved to Fort St. John in February and by June I was moving to Calgary only because I wasn't sitting still. Yeah. So when you get stuck up at a station like that, like, or I guess, and I guess this could happen at a station in any city, but uh, what's it like working at a station where you don't really like the programming? Like the music isn't really your thing. Like, how do you deal with that? There's only so much you can really do. Um, as, as long as it's being programmed by someone else, you, you just have to use the time you have on air as best as you can. The rest of the station can be a dumpster fire, but as long as you sound good and you can make a demo that sounds good, nobody cares. Yeah. Because you send a demo from Fort St. John to Calgary, Calgary is not going to listen to to the station to see how it sounds. They just want to hear how you sound. So as long as you are the little ray of sunshine in an otherwise dark and dreary woods, you'll be all right. Because you will go there. Like, I can't stand country music. It, I hate it with every fiber of my being. I just don't get it. But my first station was a country one. And so they can do whatever they want. But as long as I was on the air, I made sure what I did sound good. I don't care about anything else. As long as I sounded good, that's all that really mattered. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so now you've been with Sonic and doing the morning show for eight years. What's it like working with Garner, who's probably, I mean, especially for like a younger demographic, is probably like the biggest like name for a morning show in Edmonton. Like what do you, you learned working with him for the past eight years? Oh, it's crazy. And you know, it's not just the, you know, a younger demographic where he's the biggest guy in the eight years. I've been working with him on the morning show twice. He's been named the on-air talent of the year across Canada. And so like he is one of the premier talents and to be able to sit in a room with that guy five days a week for eight plus years you do learn a lot, and a lot of it has been um, the attitude that you bring in. I am, by nature, a little more pessimistic than I am optimistic, and he's really kind of showed me how to check that at the door and and not let it affect what you do on the air. And then you obviously look at the other things he does. His interaction with callers is second to none. 
He has this incredible rapport with people. He is incredibly conversational, and he's very, very fast. And these are all things that I've picked up and learned over the course of time. Um, you walk in when he's on vacation, it's just me. And, like, I won't even try to do what he does because I'll, I'll never do it as well. But the one things you do take away are, you know, the speed at which he works and all that other stuff. Hold on a second. Sorry about that. That was really weird. No worries. I can edit that out. No worries. <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah they, were, they had to repair some of the, you know, the heaters in our apartment building, and the guy just kind of just let himself into the apartment. It was really weird. I didn't hear him knocking or say anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's kind of creepy, actually. That's it was a little weird. That's I weird. did not appreciate that. I think he got that vibe. Yeah. Um, anyways, only got a couple more questions for you. Um, if your dream job was to open up tomorrow, what would that look like? I don't know. I've thought a lot about that lately. You know, um, you know, the position I'm in, you know, sitting kind of beside Garner and, and watching him do his thing, it, it makes you think of what could I do. And so I spent a lot of time over the last little while wondering what that would be. And a large part of it for me would be to go back home. I think to go back to Calgary would be really, really cool. That's where my family is. That's where all my friends are. So to go back to Calgary would be amazing. I love doing the morning show. I'm a super competitive person by just by by nature. And so, you know, I, I want to do the best morning show, the best show during the best time of day, and, and that's the morning show. And so to go do something in a rock format, because I don't, I couldn't see myself doing anything else besides the rock format. Uh, in Calgary would be amazing, but then also to, you know, be part of like a morning show on the Edge in Toronto would be pretty spectacular. Just the the music scene in Toronto, the sports scene, all you know, all the concerts that roll through that city. Yeah. To be part of a station with a history like the Edge would be pretty incredible. Although sometimes I wonder what life would be like if I didn't have to get up at you know, 3.45 in the morning, if I could do a drive show, how different that would feel. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I think I'd want to stay in mornings in either Calgary or Toronto in a rock format. I would, that would be amazing. Not Vancouver? No, I've never had a desire to go to Vancouver. I don't know why. It's it's a beautiful city. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's never drawn me. I just hate the Vancouver Canucks that much that it's distorted <laughs> my view of the entire city. But I don't know. I, it's a city that, you know, they got some great stations out there. Rock 101 is a cool big station. Seafox uh, is obviously a, a really interesting station. And it'd be cool to work for either one of those. But yeah. there's just this weird, super expensive lifestyle in Vancouver where, you know, I don't know if you would enjoy living there unless you lived way in the outskirts of the city where it's cheaper, but then you're commuting for like I don't know. There's just something about Vancouver that's never drawn to me. But if Seafox was like, hey, you want to come be part of our morning show, I would definitely have to think about it. Yeah, this is, I, I'd say the same thing for me. I like, you know, so many friends have moved out there, and every time I go out there to visit, I was there just a couple of weeks ago, and it's the exact same thing. It's like, oh, you guys are all living paycheck to paycheck despite having real jobs. And I'm a student in Edmonton, and I can afford to come out here and visit you guys. But you guys aren't coming back here to visit me, that's for sure. So, like, yeah. no, they can brag about surfing and skiing the same day all they like, but ultimately, it's super expensive yeah. to live there. If I know Toronto is not exactly the cheapest those. place on earth either, but yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I pick Toronto over Vancouver. 
Okay. Um, do you get any like bizarre interactions with the public? Like, do you get recognized? Like, I mean, it's radio, but obviously radio is doing way more. You know, videos online and stuff like that. Do you ever have trouble with that, or does it ever trip you up? No. Um, that's another thing. Like, Garner and I are on very similar pages. Is he? He likes to be mysterious in the sense that his personal life he kind of checks at the door he's kind of opening up a bit on that but that's something i did for a long time too is i didn't let the audience in um and so for the longest time i was able to skate by and be pretty unrecognized which i like there's a certain anonymity that goes along with radio which i really enjoy um and i'm glad i didn't get into tv because i would hate being because as soon as you get recognized in public, you feel like you have to be on and you're suddenly representing the station. And so, you know, you can't have the type of fun you want to have because you feel like people are watching and judging. And so I tried to escape it for as long as I could. But, yeah, you know, like you, like you said, it's the game has changed and you have to do these Facebook Live videos and other types of multimedia and getting your face out there is a lot more common as a radio person now than it was. You do get it from time to time. Um, you know, like lately we have this, we've had this big mother, mother give, giveaway ready to go. And I've had people stop me and ask me if they can just have mother, mother passes, which gets old. <laughs> like, no, you can't. You know, you see, you get stopped for a lot of stuff like that. Um, it doesn't happen very often. I'm thankful the few times it has happened, other people have been there to see it and, <laughs> and witness it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen often, but yeah, when it does, it's it's flattering. But then you kind of feel like they're watching you the rest of the way. Yeah. And yeah so I, I I try to avoid. It. There hasn't been too many weirdos. I'm lucky. I think girls get that a lot worse still than the guys do because there's a lot of creepoids out there. Um, I've avoided that, thankfully. So I, I've been okay. Most of the people are respectful. I've avoided the weirdos for the most part. They tend to come out during station events when they know you're going to be there. Then you see the weirdos. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm on the street team at Bell, and even that sometimes is just like – I always tell, like, tell people, like, oh, it's like being at a party when, you know, you're, like, stuck in a conversation with some drunk person. You can't get out of it. It's like that, except you literally can't get out of it because you're standing in that, like, TSN booth or Bear booth or Virgin booth or whatever, and it's your job to talk to that person. I mean, I'm yeah. just a street teamer, right? I'm not any on-air talent or anything like that. Yeah, so as soon as you get recognized, then you kind of feel like, oh, man, i got to be cool. i got to answer all of their dumb questions. I gotta get... And it's stunning how many people don't know when a conversation is over <laughs> and or people who will come up to you and say hello, but then you have to initiate the rest of the conversation, which, again, they don't know when it's over. And <laughs> you learn the art of small talk very, very quickly. But, man, oh, man, yeah, sometimes it can really drag. Yeah. All right. Um, any advice for, like, someone like me? Like, I, I chose to interview you because I'm interested in doing something news-related when I graduate. I'm not exactly sure yet, but do you have any just advice? Yeah, the first and obvious, it's, it's kind of what I mentioned earlier, where it's like you need to get the hell out of here. Because if you want to be on the air, um, in a news fashion, there there are opportunities where you could go to like an iNews or something like that, like one of the news wheels where they tend to take more inexperienced people because they know they can throw less money at you. Yeah. And those things are so expensive to run, they like having people they can pay less money. And so there are opportunities where you could go there, and that's fine. And you will learn. You will do overnight stuff and 
and you will learn. Um, but if you want to do more of an FM style, you need to get out of Dodge. You need to go to the White Courts, the Fort St. John's, the Medicine Hats, the Left Bridges. And what I found, if you do go more into the FM style of, you know, the news presenting, kind of like what I do, it's a lot less formal than people think it has to be. I did a thing on Tuesday, a few days ago, where, uh, oddly enough, it was in White Court, where uh, the, a gas station there had been crowned the best public washroom yeah, in Canada. Yeah, I've been there, and, actually. And so I actually went up there, and I did my part of the morning show from this gas station bathroom. And I was listening to the rig, the rock station up there, while I was driving up. And the guy who was doing the news, I don't know, I can't remember his name, and I don't want to cut him down, but, like, it was super formal. And they're just reading um, the copy they get from the broadcast news wires and the Canadian press wires, and they're not changing a thing. And it sounds so formal and dated and dry, and it sounds so bad. And it, it's all about being conversational. These guys, whether you like it or not, like John Stewart and Colbert and Saturday Night Live and Jay on writing down tool, these guys have changed how... Uh, information is being processed. You look at John Oliver and how he does his thing and how it's super conversational now. And, you know, when you go up to these rock stations and these top 40 stations and you're super stiff, it sounds so unnatural and so unlikable that you're, you're not going to go anywhere. And, the, and it's the same for being on air, not just news. Like you go on the air and you sound and tired and boring, you're not going to go that far. You need to relax. You need to be as conversational as you possibly can be. Like anytime I hear, even sportscasters still use the words like youngsters or folks, or you hear, you know, newscasters say things like motorists. Like no one talks like that. So talk normally, be conversational. If you want to be on the FM side, get the hell out of Edmonton. If you want to stay and just kind of do the news thing, there are opportunities where you could be on a station like iNews. And there, they'd probably have a little less give when it comes to being conversational. Yeah. But the more you can work that in, the better off I think long-term you will be. Because I think it's changing whether they like it or not. A lot of those stations, you know, your Cheds, your iNews, your 660 News, 680 in Toronto, they're still run by people who have an old-school way of thinking and doing things. But I think it's changing, and it's becoming a lot more conversational and personable and and obviously another big thing is the multi, uh, being able to be good not just on radio but on video as well. That's such an important aspect of it that is only getting more important. That's not going to go away. And so the better you can get at that, the better off you're going to be. If you know how to edit a video, you're going to be good. Uh, you can't be a boob on social media either. You have to kind of know what you're doing. I don't think you need to update every single thing you do, but to have a presence online on twitter on facebook on instagram is important whether you like it or not i don't like it but i do it because i have to yeah and you know it, it's all these things and that's just another you know becoming more personable and likable and just a normal person as opposed to someone on the radio that's the biggest thing i think is just learning to be conversational and just as cheesy as it sounds just being yourself letting your personality shine through on whatever you're doing okay well Thank you very much for taking some time to talk to me. Uh, only one last thing. Is it like a song you've been really listening to lately that I can use to like close out the this interview when I put it together for my class? 
Okay, yeah, I, uh, I've been on a huge Matthew Good kick lately. I don't know why, but just the last few weeks, I've just been diving through all the Matt Good band stuff, but also a lot of his solo stuff. And for my money, the best Matt Good album was his solo one. It's called Avalanche, and the title track on that one, the song Avalanche, I think it's just incredible. And that would be my pick, Matt Good Avalanche. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for your time, and uh, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah, you too. Sorry about the weirdo coming into my apartment. Oh, no worries. No worries. (laughs) That was strange. All right. Well, thank you very much, and have a good weekend, man. Yeah, you too. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've just listened to the Off Mic Podcast. Tune in every week to hear what life is like in the radio world. Catch other episodes on Podbeam, iTunes, and NR92 on SoundCloud. 